You are listening to So You Want to Read Tolkien, a podcast that goes through each of J.R.R. Tolkien's main works, chapter by chapter, and discusses them in a most ridiculous manner. One does not simply walk into Mordor. I would cut off your head, dwarf, if it stood but a little higher from the ground. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? Yeah, Till at last I threw down my enemy and smote his ruin upon the mountainside. What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? Now, don't be hasty, Master Miriado. Is this new devil right? Hello and welcome to So You Want to Read Tolkien. Today we are talking about The Two Towers, Book 3, Chapter 9, Flotsam and Jetsam, not the eels. I'm Caitlin <laughs> and I've just started my day and it's going fine. I'm Rachel, and I had a hell of a day, and right now I feel like Gimli wishing I had some orcs to hit with my axe. That's so sad. I'm Emmy, and I've spent all day listening to a fantastic audiobook, so it's been going really well. Are you still listening to Marissa Meyer? Yeah. It makes me really happy. I have that book, but I haven't Even if it makes me super anxious. All right. Shall we just get into it then? Sure. Yeah. Tell Uh, us who's who, Emmy. Yeah, the characters for this chapter are uh, mostly familiar faces. We've got Merry and Pippin, our previously absent Hobbit friends, and they provide food. And this entire chapter pretty much is them telling a story to the rest of the gang. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, who are the ones who finally get to eat some food. And they have finally hunted down Merry and Pippin. Everybody is very, very happy about it. Saruman, who is, you know, our evil wizard locked in his tower. Gandalf, who is our nice wizard. Um, who's hanging out with some trees. We've got Treebeard, who's the the head of the Ents, and he's got a plan. Then there's Quickbeam, our superhero Ent, um, who's really angry at the tree killer. And then, of course, Grima Wormtongue, who's just like a slimy douche nozzle forever. <laughs> that's it. That's <laughs> do that's love the, the term douche nozzle. It's a it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal preference is douche canoe, but you know that too. one's good too. That's a good one. Yeah. Just didn't seem like he deserved it. Canoes feel patriotic to me. So, mm-hmm. right, it's very Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the uh, short version of what happens in this chapter is basically that Merry and Pippin recount the tale of how the Ents took over Isengard. That's about it. It's some storytelling. It's peak Hobbit. Lots of storytelling and lots of eating <laughs> and mm-hmm. some smoking. Smoking. Mm-hmm. All right. So. Belong, summary. So Gimli, Legolas, and Aragorn stay behind with Merry and Pippin when the rest of the company from Helm's Deep ride off to speak with Treebeard. They demand to hear the story of the hobbits, uh, but not before getting some lunch. And as you can see, these hobbits are wearing off on the rest of the fellowship. Training them up. Yeah. <laughs> like proper so hobbits hob- of them yet. I mean, I wish I had a hobbit friend who was training me to be a proper hobbit. I think that sounds bad. sort of dreams just as long as like i never actually become one and become the one having to cook all of the things like just please keep plying me with food and smoke and ale and then tell me to go nap i don't know if i got to live in a (laughs) hobbit hole i could 
deal with having to be the one who cooks everything. I mean, uh, totally, if I were I'm totally allowed lying. to do Hobbit. Okay. I'm, I'm absolutely peak hostess. Like, yes, come to my abode. I will feed you everything. <laughs> she is. Yeah. So Mary and Piven lead them into a chamber above the floods that are all around the circle of Isengard. And actually here, I don't know if we've ever talked about how Isengard is all set up. Um, like that entire chapter on geography and history that we had last episode. <laughs> In last episode, we talked about Isengard? Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Rachel remembers it too. There's so a whole ring that head. was uh, mostly made from the formation of the rocks coming out of the mountain, but then was worked on by the Dunedain and then by Saruman once he moved in. And there's a flat plain that's about a mile across and it's a very shallow bowl. And it once used to be very nice and green. And now it's not. Right. Okay. And then the and there's a tower I'm in the more middle. Meant, okay. I'm more meant just so that I, because I think we use Isengard and Orthanc kind of interchangeably, but they are two different things. Isengard is like all of the land within the circle and Orthanc is the tower specifically. Mm-hmm. That's That was more what I meant. I didn't know if we'd made that clear. <laughs> Honestly, I'm in the middle of editing last chapter and I haven't come across that yet. So I don't know. Whatever. Nope. <clears throat> I don't know if this is just for up. once. For once, I actually like paid attention and understood the description of the place. So uh-huh. right now, I'm just like, I got this. <laughs> I can describe Isengard. Your... Yeah, it's your baby. All right. So they lead them into a chamber above the floods that are all within like the circle of Isengard. And the chamber is part of that circle. Like it's the circle isn't just rock, it's got some gate rooms and that sort of thing. Um, so, but up there, the roof has been broken open, so there's a good amount of light, and there's a fire, and some food, and Pippin immediately begins making toast, and apologizes that the bread is three days old. How he knows that, and who in the world baked this bread, I don't know. Hard to say. And it bothers me. The gatekeepers. Like, or the, the wild men, or the Urukai, because both seem kind of unlikely. I mean, there were a bunch of humans, that's why it's like edible food, right? Like... Saruman yes. didn't trust orcs to be guards at all, so I suppose, definitely I guess humans. Tolkien just doesn't seem the type of dude to write a bunch of evil soldiers that can also bake bread. I mean, okay, <laughs> they probably took the woman. <laughs> I'm just saying. The, the way you said that, they took the one woman. They found one the woman, woman, they took her. They took one. She, she cooked nonstop for everyone, <laughs> the entire army. She's the true hero. So the three newcomers start Ooh. eating, and Mary and Pippin figure that they'll eat again as well, uh, out of politeness and to keep their guests company. Mm-hmm. And then, what is it, Legolas has this great line where he says, You are full of courtesy this morning, left Legolas, but maybe if we had not arrived, you would already have been keeping one another company again? <laughs> so good. Which, I like that Legolas is like, yeah, yeah, we know you just want to eat. <laughs> I have... Added an eye onto the end of Aragorn here, and it's hilarious. Aragorny, <laughs> just noticed that. Aragorn, uh, Aragorn, yeah. Aragorn is his name as a pasta noodle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a topic of conversation I did not think we would get on here. Uh, so the pasta noodle comments that Merry and Pippin's ordeal with the orcs does not appear to have done them any harm. And Gimli even notices that maybe they look a little taller. Okay, but he also Hmm. noticed that their hair looks fuller. Like, how much time do you spend admiring the Hobbit hair, Gimli? No, okay, wait, 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 wait. If Hobbit hair in the books is anything like Hobbit hair in the movies, 
I would spend some time admiring that also because they all had those perfect curly locks. Like, no matter how long it had been since they showered or washed their hair, it was always, always per- just never got greasy. perfect curls. Yep. And n- never got frizzy or full of knots. Like, curly hair does not work <laughs> that way. And dwarves do appreciate hair, so mm-hmm. he probably wants to braid it. Yeah, I understand Gimli's point of view here. So Aragorn then demands to know more about the Ents and what it was like in their lands. Pippin basically says that there are Ents all around and Aragorn has to form his own ideas about them. Uh, Gimli interrupts and says they're doing this all wrong and he wants the story from the beginning. Since they're done eating, the hobbits suggest telling the story while everyone enjoys a nice smoke and produces some pipeweed from the Shire. Longbottom leaf they found in the storerooms here at Isengard. Everyone is amazed. Gimli is saddened because he lost his pipe somewhere. But it's okay, because through all of his ordeals, Pippin not only has his own pipe, but also a just-in-case spare. And I think that this says more about who and what Pippin is than anything else in these books. He literally got kidnapped by orcs, but had two pipes on him at the end of it. Yep. As everyone is lighting their pipe, Legolas suggests uh, they move outside for some fresh air and the rest of the story. And I really feel Legolas here, because pipes are gross. I mean, breathing them in. I I, I don't enjoy being around people while they're smoking a pipe. Might be better if it's fancy hobbit pipe. I want to blow smoke rings. (laughs) You can do that with things that aren't quite as offensive as pipes, though. Yeah, but then I'm not a hobbit. No, that you know what? That's fair. Uh, I years ago bought a friend like a replica of Gandalf's pipe for his birthday, and it was pretty cool to have. Like, I had no desire to smoke it, but it was a pretty cool thing. I almost didn't give it to him. <laughs> like, I just need to keep this for my shelf. Yeah. And then you have a spare pipe, just in case anyone says, and boy, got- I really <laughs> need a pipe right now. I've got my Pippin just-in-case pipe. <laughs> uh, so there's a good little moment where Aragorn reclines with his pipe and wraps himself up in his gray cloak, and Pippin exclaims that Strider the Ranger is back. And Aragorn says that he never left. He is both Ranger and Dunedain. He belongs to the North and to Gondor. Because he just can't decide. Yep. Uh, So Pippin quickly glosses over their journey with the orcs, who they spent three days with. But no real details go into that, since the reader didn't miss that. Uh, Aragorn returns their knives and Pippin's brooch. And when he returns the brooch, uh, Aragorn has a line that goes, uh, One who cannot cast away a treasure at need is in fetters. Which I think really sums up the whole the whole story, actually. Because, like, if people could have gotten rid of the ring when they needed to... That's a really good quote. Things yeah. would have been better. It is. And just, like, with the metaphor of it, too, and, you know, like, uh, leaving the Shire, that kind of thing, too, right? Mm-hmm. If, if they decided to stay behind because they couldn't leave the treasure that was the Shire, we would be nowhere. Mm-hmm. So... It's just like this one little throwaway line, but I actually think it says kind of a lot about what this story is all about. Mm-hmm. So after the orc part of the story is finished, Aragorn says that he is troubled by the orcs that came from Barad-dur and any information they were able to bring back there. I mean, relatable. Yeah. Especially since some of them seem to have some idea about like what was going on with hobbits having the ring and all that sort of thing. So the right. hobbits then recount how they met Treebeard and went to the Entmoot and that afterwards the Ents seemed to suddenly blow up and they marched on Isengard. Uh, <laughs> they mention how the trees, sorry, I've added an N. Treens. They mention how the trees, which are called the Huorns, 
seem to be moving around them, and how Treebeard won't say much about them, but Mary suspects that they are the trees that used to be Ents, and that he would be afraid to be around them without the Ents nearby. I'm gonna just go ahead and mention here that if I say Mary or Pippin says something, it might be the other way around. This chapter was just them talking, yep. and there were definitely paragraphs where I was like, I, I don't know which Hobbit this is. I'm going to guess. It's true. They're pretty interchangeable as far yeah. as narrative goes. Mm-hmm. So then the Ents and the Huorns marched to Isengard in the night, and as they got close, they crept quietly and slowly up to the gate. Once there, they waited in silence and stillness until suddenly there were great horns blowing, and the Hobbits, oh, and the Hobbits thought that they had been discovered. But in actuality, it was the orc host leaving to go fight at Helm's Deep. And when they were describing the Ents and the Hjorns creeping up on the gates, the only thing I could imagine is the topiary scene in... <laughs> uh, what is that book? The Stephen King book. Oh, God. Uh, the Shining. Um, the Shining. Oh, yes. yeah. And it's really awesome. creepy. Like and I hate one. it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I was like... Not the movie, but the book. Anyways, yeah. The Shining. And I don't think I've ever read a scene in a book that creeped me out as much as that fucking topiary scene. So this kind of scared me and made me not like Ents. That's really um, fascinating, that, actually. That I am uh, not liking of topiary since that fucking book. Yeah. Or Ents. <laughs> um, just know that it, it made you think of the same thing. And I guess just because I was thinking of mm -hmm. the guards at the gates looking at me being like, yeah, hey, it's just some trees. And then looking mm -hmm. away and looking back and being like, yeah, it's just some trees, but maybe they're kind of different now. That's weird. You know, that's sort of how <laughs> mm -hmm. I was imagining that going down. No, absolutely. It's super freaky. Yeah. So uh, Pippin mentions how some of them, oh, with the people leaving, sorry, back to the orc, ho ho orc host leaving to go fight at Helm's Deep. Pippin mentions how some of them looked like orcs and some looked like strange half-men and that somehow they reminded him of the Southerner in Bree, who we haven't heard mention of in like more than a full book. Yeah. So that was weird that hey. he sort of came up, but rando dude who no one liked, didn't have a name. Yeah. I didn't. It's so funny because I didn't even, I forgot that dude. Uh, as I was reading that chapter, I only rem remembered Bill. <laughs> yeah. Because he got yeah. a name. <laughs> yeah, because Bill got a name. And so then the Urukai remind Pippin of him. I don't know. And Aragorn says, and Aragorn agrees. He he also thought of him during the battle the night before at Helm's Deep. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, Why not? Really? Aragorn also says that it was obvious he, I mean, Aragorn says that. So yeah. But uh, Aragorn says it was obvious he was a spy for Saruman, but who knows if he was also working with the Black Riders. This whole bit felt weird and out of place. And like... I think I get what they're trying to set up here, but it, they could have just left all that out and had that weird bit at the end with like, hey, where did this pipe weed come from? And it would have set it up fine. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so the orcs left Isengard. It took them all an hour to get out of the gates. There's <laughs> 10,000 of them. And there's uh, only one gate out. <laughs> I've got to be honest, though. Like, when I, I think about how long it takes my family to, like, leave to go to a restaurant, there's five of us. It takes 20 minutes. They moved very efficiently. Just Honestly, what this reminds me of, and this is like incredibly niche, niche, whatever, um, is <laughs> when you're at. I'm sorry. That just made me think of that Boy Meets World, like niche versus niche. No, nobody, nobody watched that. Okay. Sorry. I, I've, nope. no, I've never watched. 
Uh, Anyways. It was like one of the longest um, running jokes of the TV but, show. Sorry. Someone out there gets it. <laughs> Goodbye. Gets it. Goodbye. Anyways, just as someone who's stood in line for Hall H before, and that's they have to get like 5,000 people, or it's, it's, it's 6,500, I think, into that room as quickly as possible in the morning. And it, it is such a mess. <laughs> it's just such a mess. And that's what this reminded me of, because like you have to, like depending on how long the line is, you have to cross a street, you have to get other people walkway to stop for you. It's mm-hmm. a huge mess. And like panels don't start till 10, but they start filling up the room at 7. Yeah. And so, at that point, you probably have about the brain capacity of an orc. Well, I mean, it depends on how much sleep you got the night before when lying on the cement beside the ocean, which acts like a big fucking air conditioner. So you're freezing cold, even though it's the that middle of July nice, in Southern California. I mean, and it's better that's than... That's why I wouldn't do it. Well, I mean, th- having done this has put Christine and I at things that you were very jealous of. So it's fair. It's true. It's fair. <laughs> There's anyway. pros and cons. Yeah, moving on. Yes. Um, we know that the orcs managed to leave. Yeah, the orcs leave. It's now they're gone. dead. Takes a while. Treebeard lets them go and says, my business is with Isengard tonight, with rock and stone. And just because that's a line from the movie, I can hear it very well, so I wanted yep. to include it. Yep. But uh, Mary is pretty sure some of the Huorns followed the orcs off, which we know they did because they're there. <laughs> Treebeard then uh, goes up to the gates of Isengard and starts banging and demanding Saruman, which is just the weirdest image in my head of this, like, big-ass tree knocking on the door. Like, please, sir, answer your door. <laughs> um, I'm here so- to talk to you about the good news of Fangorn. <laughs> so who's ever uh, left guarding the gate doesn't answer except to start shooting some arrows at the ends, which has little to no effect on them. Um, and then the ants all tear down the gates basically easy peasy they just like put their hands rip on it and they can like rip them off mm-hmm. it's crazy but this was one of my favorite descriptions was just um i think how mary pippin describes it as being like watching the effects of trees against stone over a hundred years in like yeah seconds just like and i like picturing them just sort of working their way through and breaking up the rock and it's just i i it's, it's, some, very it's something that's nature. such a cool image, even more than them just being able to tear things apart, but like use that treeness. The way they do it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all the stuff that they're sort of described as doing in this chapter are things that trees could do over time, but mm-hmm. because they're ants, they can do them like right away. Yeah. It is pretty cool. So, cool. so yeah, whichever Hobbit is talking, genuinely don't know anymore, says Saruman didn't know how to deal with this and wonders if his great wizardry wasn't exaggerated and really just as clever and and was really just his cleverness for settling in Isengard. Aragorn assures him that Saruman used to be a great wizard and always had a great power of persuasion and that power he still has and that not many in Middle-earth would he trust to talk alone with Saruman. He mentions basically only Gandalf, Elrond and Galadriel. Uh so then Piven says that the Ents are also <laughs> safe from him and that Saruman made a great mistake in leaving them out of his calculations. As the Ents continued to destroy the wall, the orcs and men that were there started trying to escape from the holes left in the wall. Uh, the Ents let the men go after questioning them, but Pippin is pretty sure the Huorns killed all the orcs as they were in a great forest all around the Ring of Isengard by this time. So then Saruman, who seemed to have been at the gates to watch his army leave, fled back to the tower. 
you don't want Saruman to have been there? I don't know how I feel about, like, that whole, we're gonna let you go, but then, joke's on you, we murder you in the forest 200 yards later. I just... What's the orcs, not the men? My sense of fair play doesn't like The that. men were theoretically not murdered. Only the orcs. No, I know. They didn't promise the orcs anything. Okay. Except they let yeah, them go. I... It was like that implied, like, I don't know. My sense of fair play is mildly offended. It's that weird thing... I, I get what you're saying, but it's that weird thing where the orcs aren't really treated as people. You know, they're just I, yeah. these evil beings. They're and literally that, only there to die. Also, they did cut down all the trees, so like, yeah, go get your revenge trees. Yeah, no, I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with the trees getting their revenge. I mean, it's kind of every environmentalist fantasy, isn't it? Pretty much. Which is kind of Tolkien's whole point in this chapter. Fuck with the yeah. trees and they'll fuck with we don't you. We the Geneva Convention. <laughs> I mean, also his hatred of Shakespeare, but (laughs) (laughs) that's also the whole point of this chapter. The literal forest. Yeah. (laughs) Marching there. Where was I? So Saruman, who seemed to have been at the gates to watch his army leave, fled back to the tower. Uh, Quickbeam, everyone's favorite ant, at least he's he's my favorite ant, uh, chases after him yelling, the tree killer, the tree killer. And almost catches him, but Saruman <laughs> just makes it back into the tower. And I'm really sad that Quickfoom didn't get to snatch him up and strangle him, because I think right. that would have been amazing. It would have been I a wish. good look. Yeah. So then uh, the ants all break in through the outer wall and start moving on Orthanc. Saruman starts up all his machinery so that there is fire and steam coming out of the vents and shafts in the ground one of the ants totally gets burned by some liquid fire and then everyone is super mad like i think one of the ants dies and i'm not okay with that oh i like then, the movie version better where he like runs into the water yeah. and just dunks his head yeah <laughs> yep that's good that was so good but no i'm this this is pre-flooding so i'm pretty sure this guy just uh just dies burned yeah mm. uh and then everyone is super mad and they start yelling so loud that it shakes the rock foundation of Orthanc and they start like tearing the rocks off and everything. Uh, Treebeard keeps his head during all of this and eventually gets all the ants together to make a plan and they disappear for a while and Merry and Pippin just sort of wander around Isengard avoiding the Huorns. That's um, so great. Eventually, like, all right, well, just chill, I guess. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Treebeard comes back and says that they've been hard at work and that Marion Pippin should avoid the gate and the old tunnel as some water is going to come through. And then some the sound water. of a rider approaches and... Yeah, I just... I do like that. And it's Gandalf. And I'm going to read this bit because it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, so... Where is it? Another dark and I could... Okay, so suddenly a great horse came striding up like a flash of silver. It was already dark, but I could see the rider's face clearly. It seemed to shine, and all his clothes were white. I just sat up, staring with my mouth open. I tried to call out, but couldn't. There was no need. He halted just by us and looked down at us. Gandalf, I said at last, but my voice was only a whisper. Did he say, hello, Pippin, this is a pleasant surprise? No, indeed. He said, get up, you tomfool of a toot. Where in the name of wonder and all this ruinous tree beard? I want him quick. <laughs> wow what an asshole <laughs> I love it it's so good oh so then Gandalf and Treebeard sort of talk for a minute and then Gandalf leaves back to Helm's Deep which we know and Treebeard goes back to helping the ants do the work that they were doing I guess he does say something nice to Pippin on his way out but that that's just not as funny nope <laughs> are you are you gonna read the thing or no I was what thing oh I did mark that sorry I jumped ahead in my notes Gandalf and Treebeard have a bit of a council, and then 
Gandalf rides off again, and he does tell Merry and Pippin that he is happy to see them. Um, oh, and oh, I think it's Pippin talking here, but it could be Merry. <laughs> but Gandalf, I cried, where have you been, and have you seen the others? Wherever I have been, I am back, he answered in the genuine Gandalf manner. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite, like... <laughs> Yep. As we just invented the word uh, Gandalfing last episode, right? He Gandalfed. Yeah. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Like us, the hobbits, everyone. <laughs> just doing his Gandalf thing. Saying nothing. I do also love how, like, almost as he's riding off, he's like, take care of yourselves, stay away from more thing. Bye. <laughs> it's really good. Oh, Gandalf. Uh, thank you for making sure I didn't skip that. So then after Gandalf leaves, Truebeard talks to the hobbits for a bit. And uh, he says, hmm, well, I find you are not such hasty folk as I thought. You said much less than you might and no more than you should. Hmm, this is a bundle of news and no mistake. Well, now Treebeard must get busy again. And so Treebeard just got some more information from Gandalf and finds that the when he thought the hobbits were being very hasty for telling their whole story earlier... Now he finds that they haven't been that hasty because he's got more information from Gandalf. And it's just one of those times again where it's like, did Gandalf just take somebody aside and tell them all about the ring? <laughs> like, is that what happened there? Like, I don't yeah. think so, but what? I mean, if he'd tell anyone about it, I feel like Treebeard would be a good candidate. But yeah, because yeah, it wouldn't fit on his finger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. It's it's just one I of those have no idea. random asides that I'm like, what happened there to make to make Treebeard think that they were being less hasty. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and as an aside, I should say, I haven't written the word hasty down in my summary here once, but it is said in this chapter like 10 times. Oh, yep. I just started reading the book instead of my notes. That was <laughs> So then Gandalf leaves and Treebeard goes back to helping the Ents do the work they were doing, which comes down to them damming up the River Isen and changing its course to flow into the Ring of Isengard. And that's uh, pretty much that. The water coming into Isengard uh, fills all the vents and where the fills all the vents where the fires were. And that was the smoke and the steam that the others saw on their journey towards Isengard. And this was also why the river was dry when they crossed it. Merry and Pippin stay above the flood on the outer wall, mostly by chance. But they feel much safer now that Gandalf is there and the water is going down. Gimli then asks about Wormtongue. It turns out he just showed up that morning, and as Gandalf had warned Treebeard that he might show up, and to put all the rats in one trap. So Treebeard just picks him up and throws him into Orthanc with Saruman, which I think is funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was typing fast, okay? Uh, after that, Merry and Pippin prepared for the arrival of the large party for Helm's Deep, and here we are. Uh, Gimli says that they understand everything perfectly now. Aragorn says, except for one thing, how did this leaf from the Shire get to Isengard? That makes no sense. Dun, dun, dun. Doom. <laughs> and that's pretty much the chapter. Yeah. Ends with Aragorn looking a gift horse in the mouth. Quite literally. Yeah. Just enjoy the leaf. Yeah, or whatever that phrase is. That doesn't make sense. Or no. I just thought about it. I guess it does make sense. But anyways. I still love the bit about them just plucking up warm tongue. Me too. Like when when he it's saw everything went bad, he was just like, "I'm just gonna run away." And <laughs> Treebeard nope. just cuts off his horse, picks him up, throws him at the tower. I Pretty actually much. think he walked him over there, but I prefer to think it was very cartoonish and he threw him. At wind it. up, wind up, wee. Yeah. 
squish. And I don't know how he gets into the tower after that, because I just see him, like, hitting the side and then sliding down. When the uh, orcs came to be the window washers, they just sort of peeled him off. And (laughs) (laughs) no, This is another of those chapters where, like, nothing actually happens. But I just, I loved it because Mary and Pippin. Yeah, it was really good the way they they tell the whole story. And uh, (laughs) the the minute that Pippin is like, oh, wait, I've got a second pipe. Don't worry about it. Like, (laughs) what the fuck moment. (laughs) Like, not only has he kept it, but when they were leaving the Shire, he thought, man, I I I might need to. Yeah, just in case, I'll I'll, I'll bring two pipes. I'll keep them both here in my jacket pocket so so that I will never be without at least one. Okay, okay, but he grew up listening to Bilbo's stories and how Bilbo forgot the handkerchief, so. No. (laughs) He, He was extra prepared. Because he thought, well, Bilbo forgot his handkerchief. I must not forget my pipe. And you know what? Just in case. I'll bring two. It's just, or maybe he thought maybe somebody else will forget their pipe. I'll have this extra just in case. So that they won't be left out. I mean, maybe. But I also think he was probably like selfishly concerned. What if something on this adventure happens to my pipe? Like you just just need a backup pipe. That thought process is great. You just need a backup pipe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. So, yeah, not much new stuff in this chapter other than we know exactly how the trees and the trees got Isengard. Okay, so here's my exciting thing. I think at the very end of the chapter after, you know, the waters had flooded, the word flotsam, I think, was used twice. Mm -hmm. Was the word jetsam ever used? Uh, No, I don't think so. Like, it should just be called flotsam and flotsam. (laughs) You know, like I can doesn't have quite the same I can ring. piece together what flotsam and jetsam means, but I just don't. I don't think I've ever heard a definition or had it used in like a sentence, other than as names of evil eels. So I just don't. <laughs> oh, where does it come I've, from? It comes from water. Yeah, it's like well, it's like trash and water or something. Oh no, I know, I know that, but I'm just like, oh, what, the like yeah. where, what is the English origin, origin of, of the word? Yeah. I yeah, I mean, I can Google this mm-hmm. afterwards, so that's fine. Ooh, there is apparently a difference between flotsam and jetsam. What is it? Tell us. Um, I am on the official Wikipedia page of apparently flotsam, jetsam, lagan, and derelict, which are all types of shipwrecks. Wow. So okay. let's see. Flotsam know there were many is a sunken vessel whose goods float to the surface of the sea. So that kind of makes sense when they're talking about rescuing the... Uh, Floating stuff, so or any floating yeah. cargo that is cast overboard. So that's like floating stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, jetsam is similar, but it's actually intentionally discarded. As soon as soon as you started saying that, I was like, like they jettisoned it. So yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So that's it. That's the stuff they jettison. So when you're trying to make your boat move faster to run away from the pirates, that will be the jetsam. Okay. When you crash and your goods float away and are found by two hobbits who are excited about the uh, pipeweed, that's flotsam. So genuinely then, I don't think there was any jetsam in this chapter. No. Unless you want to include worm tongue. (laughs) 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 Uh, Good to know. That was good. That was well placed. All right. Anyway. Next week, homework is chapter 10. The voice of Saruman. Not the rest of him? Just the voice of Saruman. And I it's believe a hot that new 
singing competition on NBC. <laughs> I am not dignifying that with a laugh. <laughs> Although Christopher Lee does have a nice singing voice. Exactly. All right, we have a new patron that we have to thank. Yay! Yay! Yay, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, Lucia, for being our new patron. And if we you so too, appreciate it. We do, very much. And if you, too, want to become a patron and get us to thank you a week late on our show, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash so you want to read Tolkien and check out all the fun stuff we've got there, like some outtakes and some interviews with friends. And if you want to contact us, you can on Twitter at to read Tolkien, or you can email us at want to read Tolkien at gmail.com. And I believe that is everything. So we will see you all next week for Chapter 10. I've been Caitlin. I've been Rachel. I've been Emmy. Bye. 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 Bye.